Greetings all and welcome to Margin Call, the podcast and editorial meeting for Quest On Media. I'm your host, Russell Morse. Welcome everybody. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight. It's been a while. We've been on a brief hiatus, but I'm glad that we've gotten the band back together uh, and that you stuck with us during that brief time. It must have been very difficult. Uh, it was certainly hard for us to be away from you. So I'm glad that we're reunited and we're reunited in a good cause. Uh, because we've had several conversations on this show, as I'm sure you've heard, uh, about the Democratic candidates for president. And the tenor of that conversation has changed, I think, from the beginning. Uh, I'll speak for myself, but I think uh, when we first started to hear about who was entering the race, uh, I had I had some optimism. And we on this on this show, I think, had some optimism. It was a very big field. Uh, it was diverse in a lot of ways in terms of age and race and gender and experience. Uh, and there were a lot of people that we didn't know very much about, but seemed exciting. Uh, and I, for one, at the time, was ready to trust the process. I thought, you know what? This is a good field and we'll run them through the ringer and the right person will emerge. Uh, and I'm very excited to see how things unfold. Now, that was a while ago. And a lot of things have changed since then. We did a show about um, the Democratic debate not so long ago. Uh, and things had devolved by then. We've lost a lot of people. Some of the people we were maybe once optimistic about, we are less optimistic about. New people have entered, whom shall not be named yet. Uh, and a lot of people have left. And it now, uh, with much more recent developments, uh, most notably, I think, the departure of Kamala Harris from the race, uh, the entrance of Michael Bloomberg, the rise of Joe Biden, the inexplicable continuing rise of Joe Biden. Uh, there's a lot to unpack about where we stand now uh, and what should or shouldn't be next. We're not that far away uh, from the Iowa caucuses. And uh, I still have a lot of questions, but thankfully I'm not alone because all of these questions bring Travis Johnson back to our show, who's one of my favorite people I'm here, and definitely one of my favorite people uh, to talk about this kind of stuff with, because I get a lot of refreshing insights from you, Travis. So thanks for coming on. It's great to have you. I'm glad to be here, although I don't know how refreshing I am, but thanks. Take it from me. You're a very, you're a breath of fresh air, Travis. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, let me start uh, where I want to start, even if this is not the most interesting development to you with Kamala Harris, because, um, you know, I I was excited about her candidacy for a lot of different reasons, but mostly because I am from San Francisco. She was a district attorney in San Francisco. There's been a lot of overlap in her tenure there uh, and a lot of personal overlap. So I've just followed her political career for a long time. I had a, a good opinion of her. And even after she announced her candidacy and got a lot of criticism because she was a district attorney and she locks people up. Uh, and even though a lot of the work that I do is trying to get people out of jail instead of putting them in jail, I still had a favorable opinion of her and was optimistic about her candidacy for a lot of reasons. Maybe I was delusional. You can say what you want about the shortcomings or disappointments of Kamala Harris, but she's gone. And it felt very sudden and it felt like the result of a mismanaged campaign 
because uh, she had so many other things going for her. I mean, uh, part of it could be that she peaked very early. I, I know that her numbers were strong in the summer, uh, but it just sounded like uh, there were a lot of crossed wires and internal strife in the campaign. And they, they were out of money. They had no choice. But I, I thought she'd at least make it to Iowa. Uh, so I don't know if you share the same affinity for her, but I, I, I am interested to hear surprised. what your thoughts are. I'm super surprised that she is no longer in the race. Um, I think she is someone that like I had a similar reaction to. Like I liked her as a, as a congressperson. I loved seeing her in hearings. Um, so I was very excited about her being a part of the race. I don't know that she won me over as a candidate for some of the same reasons. You know, I came, my beginning as a lawyer or as a defense attorney. So her tenure as a prosecutor was always sort of like a raised eyebrow for me. Um, but I certainly expected her to, and I think that she in the beginning of this was running the smartest sort of campaign of all the potential Democratic nominees. Um, so I'm really shocked actually to see her go before so many other people who I just, you know, haven't emerged as bright as stars. Yeah, it was it was a pretty shocking development. I knew that things were not good in the Harris camp, uh, but I definitely didn't didn't uh, expect her to go before then, before I before yeah. Iowa, at least. Um, there is another, um, you know, disappointing aspect to her pulling from the race, which is what I mentioned earlier. Some of the optimism early on. Uh, as candidates were emerging was what a diverse field it was, right? And the fact that Kamala Harris, yeah. a black woman, was one of the front runners uh, was exciting. And now uh, we're down to, you know, if you look at the top three candidates in the race, you know, some, you know, yet again, old white people, you know? Um, and yeah. There will be almost no diversity on the next big yeah. stage. Yeah, which is pretty shocking for this party. Um, and I think also for, I, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, our political climate, you know, everything, so many other things yeah. seem to have changed uh, in terms of inclusion. But uh, the political machine, I guess, grinds on. And I don't know if that has to do with numbers. I don't know if that has to do. A lot of people have said it has to do with Biden's candidacy just because he's polling so well among African-American voters. How? How is that happening? I do not understand. It is like, I, let me say this. I sort of think that this moment has to happen with the DNC, right? Like, I, I feel like there's this battle about what this party means. Um, because it's been billed as the progressive party for as long as I've been alive, right? Um, and I think right now it's like, how progressive are we? Um, and that's the fight that I feel like is taking place in this cycle. Um, and I think what's winning is like, we're not as progressive as we like. There's a level of oppression and conservatism that like mainstream DNC is like fighting tooth and nail for. Um, and that's really eye-opening and sad to well, me in a number of places. That, my question is this, is that just pragmatic? Is this just a question of viability for a candidate, you know, if you want to get rid of the president we have now, and I, I don't know that we need to name him uh, today because we're talking about the democratic field. Uh, do you need to have uh, a moderate 
you know, is this not the time to push an ambitious agenda and it's just a time to get the safest, most, you know, kind of middle of the road person to get the most votes? That's disappointing, but it might also be the, the pragmatic decision. So I get that conventional wisdom, but I feel like that conventional wisdom is what lost in 2016. You mean between Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders is too far out there and yeah. yeah that's what we were told and i actually feel like she was the only person who could not beat <laughs> he who shall not be named and i feel like a lot of that is that like again happening i can't imagine a world where biden who i who right now looks like he's going to be our nominee though we have many debates left um i can't imagine a world in which like he does win and i feel like the dnc is telling us or the conventional wisdom is telling us he's the only one that could um and i don't believe that i don't feel that i don't believe that i think he's a huge turnoff um and so i can't i can't wrap my mind around it i'm like am i just in like the wrong bubble i don't get it i do not get his appeal i don't get yeah, I, I mean, I, I think, you know, what, you, what you're what you responding to with shock and dismay is his popularity among black voters, which I think most people have attributed to the fact that he was Barack Obama's vice president. So it's just kind of like, just by association, he seems like a cool white guy. Right. After losing the nomination yeah. before, like his, his claim to fame is like not having yeah. won a nomination. And was sort, and I think was the choice for Obama, um, for that similar reason, right? So, because there was a time where Obama seemed like the radical, and Biden was the person who like brought him center, or yeah. made yeah. him palatable to centrists. When in actuality, he was quite the center. Um, but I think a lot of the reasons why Biden was not president are becoming. He's saying clear some pretty crazy things these Obama days, isn't he? I mean, <laughs> almost only. I, I thought it was a joke when I heard that he had challenged someone to a push-up contest. That really did happen. No, that happened. And that's the thing. Like, you see these yeah. things on social media, and you're like, yeah. is that satire? And it never is anymore. It's never satire anymore. It all actually happened. And I, yeah, no, I can't imagine. It's like, and I will also point out that, like, Republicans are never like we need a more moderate Republican in office yeah, to appeal to true. our base. Yeah, they don't worry about that. They're like, let's push, <laughs> let's push this to the wheels. And it worked. How far can we go? He like ran. His platform was like build a yeah. wall. He had like that was it. Why are we like so? Yeah, it just I don't know. I don't know why we keep thinking. Although, you know, most people uh, from the establishment in the RNC were dreading the idea of Trump being the nominee. You know, we forget that the Republican Party, you know, three years ago was pulling its hair out because they couldn't believe the numbers that Trump was getting. Uh, Absolutely. And certainly. Thought he was a joke, wasn't going to be it. He didn't even think he was going to get this yeah. far. I think However, they thought, you know, the last time around, for him. Um, they thought, okay, Jeb Bush, you know, like 
He seems like, or, or um, you know, Ted Cruz, right? Like th- those guys who are much more, yeah, my, establishment people. My kingdom for a bush. I'm I know telling you, that, like, that's right how now, dark it's gotten. Like, is that the bushes seem like an appealing option? Yeah. I just mean the DNC is not alone in trying to get kind of like but, a safe pick. Not necessarily a centrist, but you know, definitely uh, someone mainstream. You know. Um, for fear of rocking the boat, which right. I think is just I probably just endemic to any um, institution like that. You want to go with the safe pick. Um, but uh, speaking of confused political allegiances, uh, our former mayor, uh, Mike Bloomberg, is running commercials on television every 10 minutes. Uh, and apparently has entered the race as the final disruptor. I mean, I don't know who else is going to announce after, but. Uh, I, I don't know what to make of his candidacy, to be honest. I, I don't know if you have any thoughts, but I, uh, I, I just said, why? Why, you know? <laughs> it's literally the what the fuck of like just when you thought 2019 could not what the fuck you anymore. Bloomberg is like, I'm running for fucking president, and it was like that is the what the fuck. And I'm afraid because we have you know a few more weeks left in the year. What the fuck ever happens after that? Um, is terrifying to think about. But yeah, it's like we have a full field already. What does he add? How is he distinguishable, better? I don't even get. For me, I wonder if he's running because he's actually afraid that Biden won't be the nominee. Because Biden's going to keep his billion safe. I'm so clear that that's his only interest, right? In running. It's like oh, have someone right. in there who will like. So he, yeah, so he's looking at Warren. I can't and think Bernie, of another reason why he would do it. And he's like, "Well, I don't want to pay for, you know, healthcare for everybody." <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah. And Biden's tanking. Biden's yeah, it tanking could just this. be a full selfish motivation. Biden. Mm-hmm. Biden keeps challenging people that to push up. I mean, the, that's the only thing that I would push back against candidate. is people saying like, oh, you know, Biden can't win because he's always saying crazy things. You know, that seems to be working. You know what I mean? Like, it, it might just take a crazy person to beat a crazy person, you know, and part of me just for entertainment factor, like kind of relishes the idea. That's true. I mean, Bernie is he's crazy. He's not challenging people to push up. Yeah, he's not calling people. I guess he has called people Bernie damn liars. He's like sitting word damn a lot. It reminds me of my grandfather. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. He's the angriest, shrillest I, candidate I mean, on the stage. I theme. almost feel like Elizabeth Warren is kind of getting lost in the shuffle here, which is another disappointment just because she's another person that showed a lot of promise, you know, up until very recently um, because she was policy driven. You know, she had a lot of ideas yeah. and the ideas made sense, even if it wasn't the idea yeah. you wanted. It was like, well, OK, there's a social problem. There's a plan she has for it. The plan sounds pretty well thought through, you know, during it. And she's qualified and she's experienced and she knows what she's talking about. And she knows if she doesn't where to go to get information. She is data driven, which I would think would sort of be a comfort. Um, but it's like we revert back to sort of personalities um, and popularity in a way that, like, I feel like always will. So you think Elizabeth Warren's decline has to do with her personality or has to do with the fact she's a woman or, or 
I think that it comes back to this, like, who's going to beat Trump? And this, and to do right. that, we have to appeal to people who would otherwise vote for Trump. And I think that's, for a lot of people, that calculus gives you a Biden. Yeah. Or a Bernie. Or maybe, you know, a lot of people made that Bloomberg. argument in 2016. Um, <laughs> but I don't think the battle is getting those people. I just don't believe that. Because if you, if Trump has not already convinced you not to vote for well, Trump. Well, I mean, this is the problem the we have we every four years with the national election is that, like, most of us don't get a presidential campaign. You know what I mean? Because we've all made our minds up years ago about who we're going to vote for or not vote for. So it comes down to these, right. uh, you know, what they call undecided voters. And I'm not the first person to say this, but, you know, if it's October in an election year and you're an undecided voter, you're an idiot. <laughs> if you don't, you know what I mean? Like if the, if the election, if, if it's the year, if it's the election year right. and you're still not sure whether you're a Trump supporter or not, I, I don't know what I can do for you. I, you know, it's like, I, I have more respect for someone who's like, yeah, you know what, Trump, that's my guy. I'm going to vote for him. Uh, then somebody who's like, I don't know, Elizabeth Warren or Donald right. Trump. Like, do you, you have to believe in something. These people have no ideology. Yeah, I don't think those people, I don't think those people exist. I don't think those people exist. Like, if you are, Trump is doing a good job, and I want to give him four more years at the helm of this. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck to tell you. You are not someone who can be reasoned with, and we should not be focused. Those are not the people. Those are not our people. Those are not the people we should be yeah, picking a candidate. At, to at least that. I have a, a level of respect that's not for a, that. That's not it. That's not more the so than someone who claims to be undecided uh, once we're in the home stretch, especially with candidates as different as this, with a president as. I, I just feel like the undecided person is a liar. I feel like that person is just like, <laughs> how much oppression am I? How much oppression with? am I comfortable with? Wait, what do you person. mean by that? Like, if you're undecided between, like, a Trump and Warren, you're not undecided. You're like, Trump's doing three things that, like, make life easier for me. And am I willing to vote for that? Oh, well, I mean, I guess, yeah, that's a different situation to be in. A lot of it, and I think people will say this uh, every election, is that it comes down to the economy. And the fact that we have all these numbers about high employment. Um, and every economic indicator seems strong. Uh, most people are, you know, they're like, uh, don't rock the boaters. You know what I mean? They're like, well, I got a job and I can pay my bills and I, I don't really care who he's oppressing uh, because I have a level of stability and I don't want to mess with that. That is its own worldview. You know what I mean? Like some people are so removed right. from the political process that it's like a bit of a chore to have to think outside of their own immediate needs. I, I, you know, there are a lot of people like that out there that I believe, you know, but that's different from being undecided and undecided voters. Like, I don't have any, I, I don't even have any time for that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you have to be. Now, very I think it's just like they world. just want attention. Right. Yeah, I don't. And I really don't actually get who other than billionaires and like real, real terms. I don't get the person for whom Donald Trump works. Like, who is the person that like these policies 
it is making well, things I mean, great for you. Who is you that could individual? You can be like kind of a backwards bigot or racist or conspiracy theorist, right? Or or you could be like someone who you could, <laughs> and that makes your emotional life greater. But in terms of actual policies, because I sort of feel like those people might yeah, not but benefit see, that's, so that's well a classic problem, when your snaps right? This has been the Republican taken. model for a long time, is that in order to get billionaires what they need, they have to kind of convince a lot of like poor white people that voting against their own interests is in their best interests, you know, but but they've been they've been pulling off that scam for a long time. Well, they've also successful. Yeah. Yeah, because the scam is actually we're talking about other poor people, not you. We're talking about the poor people who don't work. <laughs> and it's like, who the fuck are those poor people? Three of them. They're out there. The three poor people who don't work. It's it's only helpful. It's only helpful as a divisive social uh, issue. Okay. Right? Like the, the reality, the reality of it doesn't. Yeah, exactly. It works. So the, the reality is so- it works so well. Which is, again, why I'm saying those aren't right. the people we are, should be trying to compare right. with Biden. Well, the other thing is turnout, right? We've the other thing is turnout. A, lot, a, a big part of the reason Hillary Clinton no didn't win coming. is because people just didn't vote. You know? Democratic, the Democratic turnout was pretty low. She didn't get a lot of black votes. Yeah. Um, she didn't. No. Yeah. She was depending yeah. on that Obama vote, and it was like, no, you're not getting the Obama vote. One, because lots of people were disappointed where Obama ended up, and she didn't fucking campaign yeah. in those places. Well, that, I mean, that's tale as old as time. You know, I, I, like I can't even it. say the word Wisconsin on this show because I think it's just we've we've heard that song before. <laughs> you know, I've I've had to just move on. Which is I, which is why for me the choice is particularly with like so many like progressive wins that folks were hailing from, like, you know, the midterms. Like, I think mm. the sign is more progressive, not less. It's been such a successful message and on every I other mean, front. I mean, Obama was I don't know why we would hedge our bets for president. You know, like, he, he didn't really have any truly groundbreaking totally. policies that reshaped the party. You know, he wasn't even, he, he, like, wouldn't even come out in favor of gay marriage. You know what I mean? Like no, when, he was, and when, when he, he was running for president. And no, not until he was pressed. Yeah. That was like a world ago. Since then, we've had like, look at, look like, I feel like so many more progressive Democrats have won in local elections and in for governors and for Senate seats and for House seats. That like, why are we now pulling yeah. back to centrist when like it's been so clear that that message did not work in 2016? And so I think the idea is things are so bad now. We like you can the, the like same way that now. Hillary took for granted the Obama vote. Um, whoever whoever gets the nomination will take for granted the disgruntled like anti-Trump right. vote to their own peril. Well, yeah, I don't uh, even know who that know, person speaking is. Speaking of centrists, we've speak we've spoken about all the old white people, but we haven't spoken about the young gay white person who is the other centrist. We must. We must talk about Mayor Pete. <laughs> we must talk must about we? Mayor Pete. Well, mostly because you have strong uh, feelings about him that I'm intrigued by and I want to explore. I just... So part of it, I... Well, there's lots to say about Mayor Pete. Um, 
Can I just say the one petty thing that I will say on the show? It ha- it's please. I just didn't know they made gay people this boring. I just, I don't understand him. I don't understand how you. This is not the gay president that I want. He's so not radical. Um, he's so appealing yeah. to everything that is for me anti queer. He's as like, if you could be gay without being queer, he has managed to do that. <laughs> he has taken all the gayness out of gay in a way that makes me so uncomfortable. And like, did his husband really only take his name? I don't even understand. Like, it's just like, I don't want him as first gentleman. I don't even get, I don't know. You could easily convince me that like <laughs> Mayor Pete was just like, what is my hook? Ooh, gay. That's what I'll do. And sort of like has plotted this since he was like a teenager. That is how. Yeah, but he's also, you know, a really smart guy who's very accomplished and is able to have conversations about very complex political Booker. issues. You know, I mean, he didn't just show up and say, like, I'm the gay guy. So vote for mm-hmm. me. You know, people. I feel like people he like did it for first, a reason. And then as like the field thins. He's like, he's, for me, he is the most Obama person in this crew. Caffeine free Obama. Just he's so like firmly Obama. in the middle. He's like, he's like Obama <laughs> Nicotine light. free Obama. Crystal Obama. Yes, so why would that it be would the not worst be the thing in the worst world? Thing in the world. Trump is the worst thing in the world. Pence might be even worse. And so, like, yeah, if he were the candidate, I would vote for him. But I think, for example, um, where he is on, like, free public college, I think that's a, like, he, like, he is so, he's like a gay Reagan for me. He's a gay Reagan. Yeah. Gagan? Like, that's where he falls. Like, I really think that he's far more conservative. And I don't know how you get there. Yeah, but he doesn't want to, like, you know, wage secret wars in Central America. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? He's not. You think he does? <laughs> I think when he, talk, when he talks about foreign policy, his stuff is pretty sound. You know what I mean? Like, I, he doesn't sound uh, hawkish or anything, even in the way that yeah, Obama I was a little bit agreed. hawkish. But, like, who's for who's I don't think that there's anyone worse on foreign policy. Well, there are people worse. But I don't think that he was like the strongest mm. foreign policy person on the on the stage. He was like, there's nothing there's yeah. nothing about his foreign policy that's markedly different from anyone else's. His domestic policies, I think, are different. Um, and he's for me falls in the line of people who like we need to be sensitive and cautious. And I think that doesn't work for a lot of people um, who have been waiting for the Democratic Party to deliver on promises that it keeps making. So answer me this then. Why is he so popular among old white people? Um, I think he, I think, um, how can I put this? Well, I think he is the candidate that like, I think there is that appeal that says, if you don't say anything so radical, then you can beat Trump. And we are being told that that is the way to win. I don't know that I believe that that is true. And also, again, I think there's this piece about like, like, I feel like he's the kind of person that like my less 
um, accepting family members would be like, he's the gay person that's not like, that doesn't like <laughs> rubbing your face. An acceptable he's amount like of gay. He's like a gay Ken doll. You can sort of like, well, that's kind of, that's kind of redundant, isn't fine, it? Fine. Fair point. But like, he's, like, he's, he's like a Ken doll. Right. You can like, all, if you just looked at him, you just see like a person. He served his country. Yeah. He like whatever. And it's like, no, okay, fine. Um, but like, that's for me, one problematic, but like also like, I would love there to be free college. I would love there to be healthcare for everyone. And I don't get um, his, the way that he scoffs at those things as like impossible and not desirable. I mean, I, th- I don't know if this is his conviction or if he's saying things because uh, he wants to inhabit a certain place in, in the race. But I believe that there are a lot of people who are freaked out by big new government programs like, you know, um, debt forgiveness, loan forgiveness, Medicare for all, all those kind of big programs that Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are talking about. I, I think there are probably a lot of voters that, you know, might not want Trump, but also might not be ready um, for a huge governmental overhaul like that. And and Buttigieg might just be smart or savvy enough to know that people might be looking for someone who is, you know, steady, just, you know, keep the boat on course. We don't need any any big overhaul. We don't need the Democratic Party to change drastically. We just need somebody who's like sensible enough to yeah. go in and do the job. I think and I think that gets us a lot of sameness. And I think there are a lot of people who are very much tired of the same. Perhaps not enough. I mean, I guess, no. we'll, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> uh, you mentioned Cory Booker earlier. Uh, is he now or has he ever been relevant in this race? I don't mean that to disparage him. I just feel like he never, he still has not defined himself. I have a lot of respect for him as a person. The fact that you didn't uh, mean it to disparage him is actually what makes it worse. <laughs> You're like, I'm just, well, I'm just describing him as irrelevant well, to this race. I mean, I, it, it might be fair to say, right? You know, I, I, mean, I don't have any personal he's objection not to him. Making, he's not making it to the debate, right? Um, yeah. But not quitting is the last thing that I heard. Um, I don't even know what that means. But um, I don't know anyone who ever considered him a serious candidate. I did yeah. not. I did not. I thought it was way too early for him um, and his career to take this uh, leap and sort of wondering if he was I mean, not like plenty of people who are inexperienced. You know, it's like uh, Buttigieg, for instance. You know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> has not had a lengthy political career, and right? he's suddenly viable and a and a front runner. You know, it, it might not be determined. You know, Obama was pretty early on in his political career. Uh, that can't be the only thing that's that's holding Cory Booker back. You know, right, he but just Obama didn't... had a moment where it was clear that he had a shot. Like, he didn't completely come out of nowhere. He got on that stage and, like, yeah. got national attention, and people were like, this person could be the yeah. next president of the United States. That was clear very quickly. Cory Booker, and all the time that he has been sort of, like, in the media and in the world, I don't think has ever had a moment where people were like, that is the next president of the United States. He has not yeah. emerged for me as like that guy 
He's well, he's been my- on the stage in these debates. You know, he's a part of the conversation now, but he still has yet to do anything right. with that platform. And I, and I just don't understand either what's holding him back or what his place is or, or what role he's trying to inhabit here. Or if he just kind of wants a cabinet position, he thinks if he hangs out long enough or maybe, yeah, I don't you know, really ever get the books. feeling like he's running for president. I always yeah. sort of like get the like he's sort of like talking about national policy in the abstract, but not like sort of like what he would do if he were like that guy. So, yeah, yeah. I sort of feel like he is jockeying for like an appointment. Yeah. Which is, you know, when you look at this field, you also have to think about that. If we do have a Democratic president, for the most part, a lot of those positions are going to be filled by people that we got to know uh, pretty well in this process, Uh, except maybe Marianne Williamson. Although I don't know, maybe Marianne Williamson will find a a place in this. Yeah, uh, yeah, I would like like Secretary of Incense. The, you know, czar of healing crystals or whatever, you know, there's, yeah. there's a place Should for be her. Great. <laughs> great. Secretary uh, of life coaching. Yeah. Well, what like do you think? I mean, before we fully move on from uh, at least the candidates, um, if we're talking about people's political futures, once they're out of the race, Kamala is still someone who could be a very strong uh, vice president. Right. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I can't imagine federal governments <laughs> without her somewhere yeah she's yeah absolutely absolutely I mean, and and then what are we looking are we looking at like a biden harris ticket i can't imagine a biden harris ticket i <laughs> can't imagine a biden harris ticket why not um uh i can't imagine a biden harris ticket because i can't imagine her being like, yeah, I will be your VP, um, Biden. You think she um, she passed? You the hard pass from Kamala once she gets the uh, I, invitation from Uncle Joe. Before, even before she has the opportunity, do you really turn down VP? I you might, she might, but then also I can't imagine him asking her. Really, I, I can't imagine that. Well, I mean, based on what. Based on their, their tense exchanges, uh, well, in the I mean, debates, he and Obama what? had some tense. He and Obama had some tense exchanges, yeah, and they seem to work very well together. Yeah. But I, I feel like he probably. Do you think they seem compatible to you? They seem I don't compatible think you have to, you? to be compatible to be on the same ticket. You know, it's it's more of a practical measure. It's like who's going to help you win, not who's your yeah, best I friend. I don't think that he. I don't get him as someone who gets the practicality of of having some of having her yeah i mean i i think that he would i honestly think that he would go with booker before he went with her yeah i mean i she was very forceful in when she challenged him i guess if he's someone who would personalize something like that then sure it might be difficult for him to make that ask for sure he he might want to have a push-up contest with her Maybe that's how he'll decide who would be his running mate if he got the nomination is whoever. Jumping jacks, yeah. for sure. <laughs> uh, all right. Before we wrap up, I want to talk about the debate and just what you're expecting, what you're looking for, what you're hoping for, what might happen at the debate uh, to change things, who needs to step up. What are your expectations, if any? Uh, 
what is this the sixth debate seventh i've lost count how how the fuck have we had so many of these and we're still i mean we, um, we've whittled them so down what, a lot by the way i mean the fact that everyone's gonna fit on one stage i think is refreshing yeah i think we are down what are we to six people is that what's happening um i oh god the thing is i'm so i really wish it was just bernie warren and biden because what? Really because they're the most serious, credible candidates, or because? In my <laughs> view, I I think that's really kind of where the argument is in our. I think that's really where the the vision is, but it's not, and so fine. I expect Mayor Pete to really come gunning for Warren. I expect, uh, I'm going <laughs> I expect Bloomberg. I expect Bloomberg to, I expect, I expect Bloomberg to also come for, um, Warren and Bernie. Um, and I just don't know when the smoke clears who the winner in all of that is going to be. I mean, I think I expect Warren. It's pretty, it's pretty clear that Bloomberg can Warren, get up there and just say, like, listen, billionaires, uh, you're safe. Uh, that's all I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody else, I'll do my and best. I, and I'm the real mayor of New yeah. York. Um, yeah, I expect people to come after him on stop and frisk, which he's just like done his apology yeah. for. Um, and it's, and it's just such offensive pandering, but it's working. I know plenty of people who was like, he, I would love to vote for Bloomberg. You know, a lot of people who have said that. Um, I wouldn't say okay. a lot, um, but any, any is shocking to me. One would have me on the floor, and there have been at least three or four. Well, what are what's their reasoning? I mean, obviously, they're New Yorkers, um, and I think they sort of feel like he's, I think there's a familiarity mm. with him and, and this general idea that, like, New York improved under his three terms. Um but it's sort of like shocking to me that the people, for example, I know who were like critical of Kamala Harris's like history as a prosecutor. I'm like, he expanded stop and frisk and defended it ruthlessly. Yeah. Um, so I don't like get like why his like now I was wrong, which I don't like the numbers didn't change. You were wrong then. I don't know, like other than like needing the black vote. I don't know why he's so willing to like admit that now or like why that makes up for it. Yeah, I mean, Hillary Clinton had a similar problem. You know, she had to confront all of her super predator talk. Uh, and she waited too long. She waited too long. Yeah. She waited too long to do it because it was a question that was raised in the very beginning of her campaign. She ignored it. Um, even when like Black Lives Matters disrupted some of her talks. Um, and even also, I think that there was a way in which they thought Bill Clinton was going to, like, help yeah. her. And he, every time he opened his mouth or got confronted, um, it was just wasn't helpful in a way similar to what I think about Biden and how he's acting. I think that there are lots of people who are just not inspired by things continuing the way exactly like they are. There are plenty of people, communities that the Democrats are depending on, Black people, 
working class black people, black women that I'm like, you have to just for example, there are others, but there's a way in which like you can't brush those concerns aside um, and be centrist on. And I'm not hearing from like a Biden who like you can poll well with this centrist message, but like when it comes to like inspiring the people to come out to vote that need to come out and vote and the numbers that they do, I'm not sure that he's the guy yeah. who's going to do it. Well, in spite I'm of all sure. of that, will you be watching? Well, don't sound so excited about it. I have debate fatigue. I really, really do. And, um, and it honestly, it scares me that we still have so many people fighting for this nomination at this point. Um, because I just think there's a way in which all of this infighting just <sighs> makes it less likely that there's going to be a Democratic win. But yeah, I'm gonna watch. All right. Well, I'm I'm glad you arrived at that conclusion. I I feel the same way you do. It is a long, long process, and it hasn't been pleasant. Like I said, I I had a lot of personal enthusiasm early on, uh, just because I wanted to get to know these people, and I really thought the best person was going to emerge, or at least someone exciting. And the longer it goes on, the less uh, optimistic I am. Is that fair to say? Is that the right way to say it? Yes. And and the less and less enthusiastic. Also, I think people are going to want to fast forward. I think for me, all of that, and also I think that maybe there's a part of me that feels like I also had to grow up a little bit, um, because I sort of got wrapped up in like who I liked, um, and I'm like I'm not going to dinner or having a beer with like this person. I'm like picking someone yeah. who's gonna like run the country, and I sort of like need like a better metric than like who I find appealing on some emotional level. Um, and I think that's probably like a healthier place to be. I mean, I agree. I think that the mistake that we make a lot of times is that you just vote for the more likable person. I think that's what it came down to in 2000 with Bush and Gore. Uh, people were kind of, they had a very similar election fatigue and it was like, ah, you know, people were disenchanted at the time. Like, ah, they seem like the same kind of guy. Who cares? What's the difference? But, you know, Gore, he seems kind of boring. You know, I think I'd rather what people said was they'd rather have a, a beer, a non-alcoholic beer with George Bush. And that was the deciding factor. Well, except for the fact that the election was stolen and the Supreme Court decided it. But, you know, the reason Bush got so much support was because and it was the, just like affable. And that Bush has no idea what a non-alcoholic beer no, is. No, he was a big non-alcoholic beer drinker. I don't know if he is anymore, but that was a big part of his personal story that he got sober, but continued to drink non-alcoholic beer. I know, oh, isn't it sweet? <laughs> he was like on the campaign bus drinking O'Doul's. You know, I, I heard, yeah, I, I heard oh. that observed many times. Uh, I know. But that's all we needed to know. We we don't have to end on a bush note, but I guess maybe <laughs> I guess no. maybe we do. I'm glad Go. Except wasn't Jeb Bush just out like tweeting some bullshit recently? Who the fuck asked Jeb Bush anything? Yeah, I mean that's the problem I think with social media is that people who are irrelevant, right? Who other you know, when we used to have um a much more dominant media Can landscape. You could ask, just get rid of somebody who was irrelevant, but it's like, you know, if you have enough Twitter followers, you can always maintain your relevance. What's Hillary doing? She's still what walking in the woods, doing? man. 
No, she's like, isn't she like giving interviews like bashing <laughs> Bernie? Or are they just, or are they just sharing them now? Uh, I have not seen any Hillary Bernie bashing videos. I saw a clip and I didn't think to look at when the interview actually happened, but it was like Hillary Clinton and I want to say Howard Stern. Wow. Well, wait, she was, I remember this might have been a different Howard Stern interview, but that was from years ago in my recollection. I don't know what you saw, but Great. she's been scarce uh, because I think, I think people oh, ask her to way. be scarce. I mean, the big question is going to be like, are they going to bring her out on stage at the DNC? You know, like, or do they want that to just be kind of a distant memory and we're all moving on together? <laughs> I want it to be as distant <laughs> I, as possible, I quite frankly. I think you're not alone. 2016 was a rough year for everybody. Um, all right. Well, I am pleased that you'll be watching the debates. I look forward to hearing I will. what you have to say. It's always a pleasure for me to watch your like live tweet Um of every every debate i get a lot of my own talking points uh from your zingers uh and obviously we'll want to have you back uh because there is somehow still more to discuss because this thing isn't over yet it's still happening still happening but i do think i think that she was on stern like december 6th that may well be that may well be i may have misspoken uh i believe it I am just like not going to go look it up and listen to it right now, you know? Yeah. Don't do it to yourself. Because <laughs> I, I had to use I had to use not all of my bad. like energy and engagement to like get excited to watch the debate. So I can't I can't use it on anything else. No. Um, all Don't right. Travis, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Thank you uh, for your illuminating insight. Uh, we'll have you on again very soon to continue this conversation if we still have the yes i would be happy uh, and thank you as always to our producer Eming piancai who i did not introduce at the top of the show because i had other business to address which was our brief uh hiatus but uh thank you Eming, for always being there to keep us on task um you're a joy and you know what? You you have a good laugh line too. Whenever Travis comes through with a with a good one, I feel like you you give up a good laugh for him. Hopefully, that makes it into the recording. I'm definitely your studio audience in that respect. Yes, <laughs> our studio audience slash producer <laughs> slash taskmaster. So thanks to you, Eming, uh, and thanks to you, Travis, Thank and you. thanks everybody for listening. Until next time, quest on, everybody. This episode of Quest On Media's Margin Call was produced in Richmond, California.